honestly, when I found out that patriarchy wasn't about horses, I kind of lost interest. And welcome to the Zero Credit Supplemental Reading of 2023's Barbie, directed by Greta Gerwig. My name is John. And my name is Kenry. And if you haven't listened to a Zero Credit Supplemental Reading before, these are special episodes in which I and my co-host, Henry, discuss things that we consider to be culturally important, part of the zeitgeist, or just kind of like a dumb movie we want to see. Uh, So the assumption going into a supplemental reading is that the audience has consumed the media we're discussing in its entirety. Uh, There will be spoilers abound. Uh, So be warned, if you have not seen 2023's Barbie, directed by Greta Gerwig, go see it right now. Come back to the podcast. Keep the podcast rolling, you know, get the listen counts up and stuff. Uh, But only truly listen once you've seen the film. That's right. I don't think any more preamble needs to be done there. Uh, Let's just jump right into this culturally culturally relevant zeitgeist, instant zeitgeist movie classic and dumb film we want to talk about, Barbie. It's actually kind of all of them. Uh, Henry, I I don't know if we've ever had a supplemental reading under similar auspices, but this was like an emergency supplemental (laughs) reading we we usually plan these we can kind of mark in our minds oh this should be a thing we'll talk about or something's been out uh on vod for a while and we know we want to talk about it uh but very rarely in fact maybe never other than one or two marvel movies uh has a movie come out that we both immediately clock as relevant and then basically simultaneously text each other that it deserves a supplementary reading. It's very true. Uh, John and I had separate plans to see this movie just for fun. And within, I don't know, I'm going to say an hour of both of us having seen it, it was agreed upon that this movie deserves to be talked about at length, deep dove into let's explore the crevices of that there Barbie Yes, um, as as many children have, uh, let us explore the crevices of a Barbie. I don't mean that in like a weird way. I just mean like, I don't know, you put pennies in their arm sockets. Uh, this uh, quickly went off the rails. I want to talk about kind of the, usually on these things, we get into a bit of a trap of talking about the uh, the text of a movie. But I think Barbie, for being such an intensely zeitgeisty movie. There's like a pre-Barbie phase of my life and a post-Barbie phase of my life. Pre-Barbie, of course, begins when I am born. (laughs) (laughs) What is happening? And ends immediately before I see the movie. Uh, No, I was super stoked to see this movie from the outset, maybe more than a year ago when it was announced, because I am, of course, a Greta Gerwig super fan. Oh, okay. So you've seen her other films, such as the music video uh, for Dua Lipa's Dance the Night. Uh, You know, I've not seen the music video for Dua Lipa's Dance the Night. I have seen uh, Nights and Weekends, Francis Ha, Lady Bird, Little Women. Okay. Yeah, those are the other ones that she's directed, minus Francis Ha. Yeah, I think Francis Ha is actually Noah Baumbach. Her long time a professional and personal partner. Yeah, uh, Noah Baumbach was credited as a writer on this movie. 
Uh, yeah, I think it is a um, a GGNB production, uh, which is their, I guess, production company. Uh, they they share writing credits on the film, though Greta has sole directing credits. Gotta say, I don't throw this term around loosely. I think Greta Gerwig might be a little bit of a goat. It's weird to say someone's a, a goat when they haven't died. Uh, <laughs> but listen, what contemporary director could make Lady Bird one of the best, most even-handed movies about growing up Christian, turn that into a retelling of Little Women that somehow feels eminently fresh and modern, and then say, what's my next project? Fucking Barbie. (laughs) Yeah, two highly prescient pieces, very lauded for their art form. And then what could ostensibly be understood as a blatant cash grab uh, because it's a big brand. It, it's Mattel throwing money into movies to make their brand relevant again. Uh, but Greta Gerwig takes that opportunity and turns it into another entry into her high art repertoire. I also feel if we're talking about the pre-Barbie period of my life and the post-Barbie period, I think we're living in a post-Barbie world. And I'm a post-Barbie girl. <laughs> Uh, we're living in a post-Barbie world because I, even walking out of the theater, no shit, I walked into Barbie, totally normal experience of walking in to my local Alamo Draft House, my movie chain of choice, your movie chain of choice, and people looked normal, right? They were in normal clothes. I left Barbie, and I shit you not, half of the Alamo Draft House was in pink, dressed as Barbie, dressed as Ken. Everyone was talking about the movie. It It, it is Did truly you? like I get transported into a universe where people loved the movie. Did you not dress up for this movie? I did not. I didn't know Ooh. that was a thing people were doing. I no, mean, for, for what it's worth. You gotta dress up for Barbie. I wore salmon. For what it's worth. The color. I, I did go into the movie wearing a pink tank top and Hawaiian print short shorts, but that yeah. is just how I dress. Well, you you dressed up for the movie then, is what happened. Yeah, I uh, I, I I definitely brought a certain energy to the movie that I did not anticipate. But leaving the movie, I mean, the Alamo Draft House staff all had Barbie outfits. Uh, it really. I don't know what Tom Cruise is saying, but Barbie made me feel like movies are back, baby. <laughs> finally. You know, Chris Nolan, he really did it. He finally released a film during the weekend that movies were saved by a different movie. <laughs> yes, movies were saved on his watch, just not while his hand was on the tiller, I suppose. Yeah. So like a year ago, I think Top Gun Maverick came out around this time or two years ago i don't know when that movie came out when that movie came out everyone's like oh movies have been saved because it got the boomers to go back to the theater or whatever i think barbie is a real revival because uh, women are going back to the theaters there's too much to talk about here with how fucking zeitgeisty this movie yeah is it's, this movie, it's it's so vital it really is it's super plugged into the right now for sure 
Uh, one thing that I, I would like to address, because there's a little bit of controversy. Uh, I don't know if it's controversy. It, it's essentially, this happens every once in a while with movies where people are like, think that PG-13 movies are meant for toddlers. Hello. Uh, and, and it happens all the time. Uh, my argument is, I can't remember the last most perfectly PG-13 movie. This movie is made for, directed at, and really should be consumed by people who are about 13. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's for young adults and for people who grew up with Barbie. I think it's for anyone who grew up with Barbie. Anyone anyone over 13. Yeah. <laughs> I think absolutely the, the, this movie is aimed for so so well done with the rating and uh, it, it, and shut up if you think this is for like four-year-olds yeah and people were like oh the barbie movie that's gotta be for kids right it's like well we've got this rating system we attach it to movies it's it's a pretty good guideline for who we think is would be appropriate to see this movie and uh, this one's not pg so maybe take that into account before yes. you let your grandmother take your nine-year-old to see the Barbie movie. Indeed. Because it, it's, it, it, I mean, this is the same director as Lady Bird. We're, we're, are you expecting a wholesome great time? I mean, for what it's worth, though, it is a wholesome great time. It is, uh, but I, there are some people have very staunch conservative values. Mm. I'm not saying conservative politically. I'm just saying, like, they're more tight-knit around... Uh, Lucy goosey subjects such as sexuality or genitalia and they they, they just get so affronted uh, you know they get so offended when people talk uh, say the word genitalia yeah I mean some people view the world uh, wrongly and live their yeah. lives in in an inaccurate unreal way that is impossible to live up to I agree in a world where sex ed would be taught in public schools, this movie's perfectly fine. <laughs> yes, in a, in a slightly more free country, <laughs> perhaps Barbie would, would not have faced backlash. I feel like we're maybe getting too far yeah. into the kind of meta-textual or extra-textual impact of Barbie. We haven't even discussed the cast yet, John. <laughs> yes, of course we need to discuss the cast, which is uh, peerless. Which is helped in uh, no small degree by the fact that most of the characters in this movie were written into the script. Most of the actors were just written into the script, written for these people. That is very rare, because normally you go through an extensive casting process of like, we need a such and such type, who's available, who can we get? It's, it's interesting that these people were written right into the movie. Um but, you know, I honestly feel like we got the best performance out of a lot of these people because of that fact. No, absolutely. Apparently in the script, there were things like uh, Ryan Gosling Ken says this, Simu Ken says this, uh, which I, I, I appreciate greatly. And also that audition process must have been breeze for uh, for a lot well, of them. But no, peerless clip peerless cast well, i mean apparently gal gadot was supposed to play stereotypical barbie until she was not available really and can you imagine i cannot imagine anyone but margot robbie in this role absolutely not uh that i wouldn't like this movie i don't think gal i would gadot. either no i i feel, I feel like, like I... it had to be it had to be someone with um 
like a certain kind of range and humility <laughs> in their performances. It also, I feel like it had to be somebody whose smile is both like calming and off-putting just a little bit. Like, Yeah, no, Margot Robbie, especially a stereotypical Barbie, has the real like impossibly gorgeous and deeply troubled thing down yeah absolutely i i honestly feel like it's just she's bringing in the harley quinn experience but toning it down heavily for sure but yeah it's just like that plastered on smile that it looks genuine but then as time goes on you're like oh it's a little unhinged (laughs) yeah no margaret robbie really phenomenal Uh, i've got a story about ryan gosling uh, please uh, accepting the role of ken I, uh-huh. I'm, I'm sure people have heard this. I'm just going to repeat it. Uh, apparently, he accepted the role of Ken after taking a picture of his daughter's Ken doll laying face down in the mud next to a squish lemon. He took that picture, sent it to Greta Gerwig, and said, I will be your Ken. His story needs to be told. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is uh, incredible. Yeah. I, uh, I, I'm fascinated and, and not to make this like too, uh, Ken centric, uh, but I, I'm fascinated with Ryan Gosling because in interviews, he, he says like, I don't know that I could ever go that place again. Ken really brought something. <laughs> and, and as someone who is like a real fucking serious actor for a role like this to like really take one to one's breaking point, uh, really just i think communicates how good his performance is yeah i I mean ryan gosling was a mickey mouse club kid he performed in like a faux boy band with through through that and he's been kind of a song and dance man and not so much in secret but it's sort of taken a back seat to his more dramatic serious roles but i mean Mm -hmm. he was in la la land like he's a song and dance man he's a song and dance man I, i really feel like ken brought out well, I think he said Ken brought back that Mickey Mouse Club member out of him again and reminded him, you know, it's okay to be over the top song and dance showman. It does. It's not going to do anything bad. You're not going to be, you know, there, no one's going to knock your Blade Runner 2049 performance because you because you sang and danced in another movie. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think uh, Blade Runner 2049 could have done with like a little soft shoe or some Fosse here or there. But, you know, uh, I, I understand they couldn't bring it to that performance. I, I greatly appreciate the very uh, kind of flamboyant theatrical Ryan Gosling we got as Ken in this movie. Yeah. And I mean, I don't want to spend a time going through every single cast member, but I just want to say that every single cast member just brought the right amount of Barbie or Ken energy to their roles. Those of course are the, Oh, Midge, the Midge energy was pretty strong as well, as well as the Alan energy. Alan. Incredible. I do want to give a special shout out to Hari Neff who played a doctor Barbie. Uh, you might know her from transparent, the idol you, uh, Hari Neff, just so funny. Just very yeah. good. Very, very good. Issa Rae, president Barbie. Amazing. Huge shout outs to uh, Rhea Perlman, who played uh, the creator of Barbie. I think her name is Ruth Handler or something mm-hmm. to that effect. Um, and to our most gracious narrator, Helen Mirren, who just nailed it. Uh, of course, nailed it. And of course, to Kate McKinnon, who I think did some of those splits. 
I, you might have. I wouldn't put it past her. It's it's, it's hard to tell. It's uh, it's 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 truly hard to tell. But the cast phenomenal. This movie. I I know. I keep coming back to the fact that it's like super zeitgeisty, and I'm very excited to. You got to dive in. It. You got to dive into that. We can't just keep <laughs> saying it's zeitgeisty without like explaining what that means. No, it's funny to keep saying it's zeitgeisty without saying what it means. No, I. I don't even know where to start. This is uh, one of the supplemental readings where we something is actively in theaters. We don't have notes. We just have vibes. Uh, so it's, I don't even know where to start. I don't either. I, I'm not going to be any help here. Um, <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see if we can maybe attack this from some other angle and then get to what we mean somewhere down the line. Okay. What angle? Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, one thing that I would, that I specifically wanted to talk about, uh, and this is maybe an aside, I don't know that it will feed into any future discussion, but this movie's soundtrack is so oh fucking God. good. Yes, it really is. Um, I, I put this up there in terms of movie soundtracks with, and this is me uh, being very honest. There's like the Black Panther, not soundtrack, but the Black Panther album. Uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Hell yeah. Barbie and like True Grit. (laughs) Some of the most truly incredible, pitch-perfect movie soundtracks. Uh, if you have seen this movie, if you haven't seen the movie, don't listen to the music and don't listen to this podcast. But if you've seen the movie, you will identify with this. I have been bumping the Barbie soundtrack non-stop. It's a banger for sure. You got Lizzo, Dua Lipa, Charlie XCX. Ava Max is on there, which is insane. Billy Eilish. Smith, Billy Eilish. Hame. Yeah, that great original Haim song. Kid Leroy's on there with a real banger called Somebody like, Named Forever Gale. and Again. The that Ava Max Choose Your Fighter song is like an incredible throwback to like happy hardcore Gabber music. Oh yeah. Uh, Khalid, Pink Panthress. Tame Impala. And there's a Tame Impala song on here. It's uh, it, and and you might be thinking like, oh yeah, they all have really great like you know catalogs of music to ch- to choose from. It's like no, they're all originals. They're all originals. <laughs> and also, Barbie World by Nicki Minaj, Ice Spice, and Aqua, incredible. Just an incredible song. I do want to take a. I I didn't like the song Hey Blondie by Dominic Fike. I also don't really like Dominic Fike that much. Uh. There's also like a weird remix of um, Butterfly by Crazy Town. And in the midst of this, a full-on musical number by Ryan Gosling <laughs> in I'm Just Ken. What, what a tremendous collection of music. I have a fun story about I'm Just Ken. Please. Uh, you know what? I'm going to do the actual research here i'm going to find the uh the guy's name because th- what what else is a 
is a supplemental reading for than giving credit to where credit is due. Here we go. Composer Mark Ronson wrote the oh, song. Yeah, wrote the song "I'm Just Ken" largely as a joke, uh-huh. and recorded a demo for Greta Gerwig, not seriously expecting it to be included on the soundtrack. However, she liked the song, and when she shared it with Ryan Gosling, he felt so strongly that it added to the character of Ken. He successfully advocated it for, for it to be made a musical number in the film. I love it. I, I love how much we're hearing from Ryan Gosling creatively on this. <laughs> uh, Ronson remarked that he was amazed how much Gosling's interpretation of the song improved upon his original intent. Uh, Mark Ronson, of course, a, a real, uh, not overrepresented, but a very uh, prolific DJ and songwriter. Uh, in his own own right. And the fact that like this spec would get turned into this uh, far reaching three act musical number (laughs) is incredible. And honestly, like it serves as the wrap up of the Ken versus Ken subplot that was at play for uh, a, a large important part of the latter part of the film. Yes. Um, and what I mean, there's no other way to end that subplot, I think, other than literally murder is brought to Barbie land. Like <laughs> they would yeah. have to like kill each other off, which I think would be the wrong message for the film. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it, it culminates in the Ken versus Ken battle. One thing that I would like to take a second to talk about, and this I don't think was appropriately appreciated by me watching the movie. Because there is this um, song that repeats Pink by Lizzo, original for the movie. Uh, It kind of has two versions. The first one is the idyllic version, the first song you hear in the movie. Barbie is having her uh, very idyllic life. And then the second time is when Barbie is entertaining ideas of like mortality and imperfection. Uh, And that's... I think a a very valid interpretation. However, there is a specific song that is played under dialogue when Ken takes over Barbie land and turns it into Kendom. And it is the song man. I am by Sam Smith. And it does not play very loud. Did you, did you catch any of the lyrics of man? I am by Sam Smith during the movie. No, no, uh, it is a fucking insane song, and it is playing underneath for the most part dialogue. And I'll I'll re- I'll recite some of the verses of this song to you. This one's for the boys with your greased up and heavy metal toys, so beefed up you can't get through the door. It's your time to break through, bad man to the rescue, Barbie. Your time is up. You will not take our voice. I'm the groove catcher, hottest thing, six pack and a tight G-string. No, I'm not gay, bro, but I've been on that lay low. Strip clubs, dollar bills, Wall Street, dirty deals, pop stars, exotic pills, cars with dirty wheels. Amazing. Oh, wow. It's so good. I I like it. It's... it's... It's this insane macho kind of gay word salad. <laughs> right. It's it's like picking out very specific idiosyncrasies of a certain type of masculine, overly macho individual 
Yeah, um, it's, who, it's that like super macho kind yeah. of sexual energy. I mean, there, I guess there's a point in like peak f- f- male physicality where it's like, well, you might as well be gay now. It's like, no, 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 no. It, it's so it's so interesting that it's like strip clubs, pills, Wall Street, dirty deals, greased up trucks. It's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's the, so good. It's the so greasers good. from Greece come to mind. Yeah, no, it is. It is an incredible song that I think maybe doesn't get its uh, its time yeah. to shine, but maybe it, it makes sense that it's below dialogue and it's kind of a fun Easter egg to listen to on the album. I think you tapped into one of the first clues of our saying that this movie is really zeitgeisty and it, it's those first it, it's that pink by Lizzo song that the way that f- song functions in the movie is so refreshing and so it, it's not a new concept but it's the movie having elements that comment upon the movie while the movie is happening. It's a instant meta textuality that you do not see in mainstream movies today. Lizzo is singing exactly what is happening in the movie as it happens and then reprises that song later under a different mood to the point where she starts arguing a little bit with the narrator who is interrupted. Yes. <laughs> She, as she as she proclaims i'm still singing <laughs> i one thing throughout this movie that i love so much is that it is not afraid at any point to the to remind the audience explicitly hey you're watching a fucking movie yeah like multiple times i, I think like three or four times when they're trying to talk through the logistics of how barbie world is connected to the real world and how things in the real world affect barbie world they explicitly say hey don't don't think about it right just don't because it, it doesn't matter it, it yeah, totally it, doesn't matter it's a <laughs> this, conce- this kind of christopher nolan shit that you're looking for has right. no place in barbie yeah it takes a it takes a page out of the ryan johnson book and say well don't don't think about it because we're not going to explain it. Yeah, remember how everyone <laughs> praised Looper for not over-explaining things? This movie takes that as like, yeah, no. Uh, yeah. Fuck explaining things. We, yeah, we, have, it, we have no time for that and no one really wants to hear it. It's a conceit. It's a conceit. It's a conceit in the movie. Uh, you have to buy it to buy the rest of the movie. So you might as well get on board. Um, but yes, uh, I mean, so to your point that this movie is not afraid to remind you that you're watching a movie. The fucking opening is straight parody homage to 2001, a space odyssey. Yes. Uh, from the, from the opening shot or, well, this was a trailer forever ago, but like, but it made it into the movie. Absolutely. As the movie's opening. The 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 movie starts with this bananas homage to 2001 Space Odyssey and it starts with essentially letting everybody know that it's okay to be in on the joke. Yes. There like it's it it, it kind of starts at this this height of absurdity of showing these these <laughs> adorable small children smashing baby dolls to death because a new a new option is on the market no longer do they have to pretend to be mothers they can now pretend 
to be Barbie and all of the things that Barbie comes with. Barbie can be anything, can be anyone. Like it from this opening, it's just like, look, it's a movie about a doll. We're not going to take ourselves too seriously here. We're here for a good time. Let's poke the bear and go after one of not go after, but like make reference in the same breath to one of like a movie that a ton of people have said a ton of great things about. Let's put that in the same conversation as our doll movie. Yeah, no, it's, it's extremely brave for a movie now, which is kind of sad to say, but it's extremely brave for a movie to be like, Hey audience, you're just as smart as I am. You know what's going on. Like, you know you're showing up to a movie for a multi-billion dollar doll brand. We all know what the joke is. And let's move on from there. Yeah. I, Considering I think movies, have, especially like licensed movies, are so self-serious and self-contained and plotting and brooding for a movie to just say, hey, fucking, we all get it. Right? Like, that's so rare. And I I think it what Greta Gerwig and and Noah Baumbach achieved with this opening is it sets you up to lower your defenses. It's like it it engages with the funny part of your brain. It gets you to laugh. It gets you on board. And then toward the end of the movie, you're just thrown like a gut-wrenching punch because like, oh, shit, like we're talking about existential dread now i mean that is introduced early in the movie but like the concept of an idea becoming mortal and all of what that entails like is i wasn't expecting that when i was watching small children bash baby dolls to death at the opening of this movie i had no idea that's where we were going and because it had me laughing the entire time this idea of facing mortality given immortality hits so much harder i think with that it might be good for us to explore like the the themes and arc of the movie because i'm in agreement in that like where this movie starts and where this movie goes there's like i think three layers of discussion to be had and i think the least interesting of those is what is revealed in the trailer because much like barbarian i will say this movie actually managed to make to use its trailer correctly because in in watching the barbie trailer you think it's like every other trailer where it gives away way too much there's a fish out of water situation there's an evil ceo a corporation they have to fight back against this to preserve some kind of like purity in their universe. That's the impression you get from the trailer. And that's kind of what the first like third of the movie is about. And then it totally blows your expectations out of the water. Yeah. Even to the point where the movie throws you a curveball, like they, they introduce this concept that like, yes, if a child is going through something, playing with you in a way that is like drawing out some other emotions, it affects you. You got to go to the real world and you got to fix your kid. Like, it sets us up to be like, all right, she's got to go find the kid. And then it's like, well, it's not the kid. It's the yeah. kid's mom. Like, mm-hmm. you, you it, even to the point where, like, when Barbie is approaching the girl and the girl, like, tears her down, you think the movie is going in one way. It's like, oh, she's got to make this girl, like, not be the cynical sort of Gen Z type that we're, we're, we're sort of reading about in the papers because none of us knows a kid under 18 or whatever. 
<laughs> but even then, it's just like, no, you don't fucking know where this movie's going. You know, that would be a weaker version of the movie. And so we're not doing that. Yeah, I... I think you're totally right. And I was on board and was actually kind of rooting for the version of the movie. I thought I was watching where there, and this is borrowing language of a teen in the movie, but so often when we see these movies that deal with ideas specifically related to nostalgia, they're actually kind of fascistic because what they want is a they want you to to pull back from what you perceive to be like the evils of the world which are just nuances but they want you to pull back on the the evils of the advances of society back to a simpler time like isn't it just sweet to like play with barbie isn't there some yeah. intrinsic value to barbie that exists that that can permeate this culture that i find alien it can be didactic and say like oh kids shouldn't call people fascists and have strong opinions and be terminally online it's easy to like pass judgment and the movie so bravely doesn't do any of that though it seems like it's gonna right no it it definitely sets up that expectation with the barbie confronting the, the the gaggle of girls at the lunchroom table or whatever um, but then quickly we realize, no, there's there's much more to this movie than what the trailer set up, what the movie itself is setting up. Until you realize it, you know, you're just sort of all of all of the defense mechanisms people have for movies like, oh, I know where this is going. Uh, I've predicted this movie. All of that is disarmed. And then you're just left with the adventure that unfolds right before your very eyes. Yeah, that's what I love about the movie is it it very and you know, it's in the hands of two exceptionally gifted writers who uh are very good at disarming you and they disarm you completely in a blockbuster and manage to um in a movie that is co-signed by the Mattel brand tell you unequivocally, yeah, there might be some issues with Barbie. <laughs> which yeah. I really appreciate. Uh, I might as well do it now. I just have to applaud the, this is a rare sentence for me to say. So, uh, listen up. I will not be repeating myself. I need to applaud the executives at Mattel for just signing off on this movie wholesale, even though there are moments where like the movie might serve to the detriment of the company. I feel like they were like, well, we don't really care about how you depict us. Just make a good movie. And that is so rare in the industry. Yeah, it feels unreal that they did this. They must have gotten like a a very cool uh, C-suite of executives on board. Or there was just one person who, when they floated the idea of a Barbie movie and Greta Gerwig expressed interest, was like, hey, listen, kill who you need to kill. This, <laughs> ne- this so needs to happen because... Yeah. Mattel is probably a relatively staid brand with diminishing market share. The The closest thing we can get to relevance is really lean in when one of the greatest directors of our generation <laughs> wants to make our movie. Yeah. Um, according to Will Ferrell, who uh, said in an interview, like when he got the script, he's like, this is great. Has Mattel signed off? Because like, if not, like this is not going to be made. And they had to like sit him down. It's like, no, Mattel's on board. They signed off on this version of the script. He's like, 
Did they read it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Well, I don't think they great read if it. They, great if they didn't. If they mm-hmm. didn't, that's uh, the, oh, it's it's the Freddy gut fingered of our time. Yeah, I'm sure there was like a standards and practice person who was like, all right, you got to at least beep the motherfucker. Yeah, you got to. And, and they're then, like, can we put the Mattel logo yeah. <laughs> over Easter Ray's mouth when she says fucker? And they're like, okay. Yeah. They're like, actually, yes, do that. <laughs> <laughs> actually, uh, yes. You can going back to the, the the way that this movie totally uh, upends expectations. So I think this movie follows very closely to some of the best like writing and performance guidance you can give anyone, which is uh, no care say, which is know what's already going on and assume the audience knows, care about what's going on and never throw it out and say what's happening. Yeah. At no point is any of the sentiment of the movie really undercut. Mm-hmm. Like there are jokes after heartfelt statements or what have you, but it's all serving the same purpose of propelling Barbie's journey through the real world forward. It's never undercutting what she cares about and what she's saying, which I think is very important uh, because there's a formula that's evolved from these Marvel movies where heartfelt moments are undercut by jokes and it undermines the heartfelt moment to the point of the movie is now mocking itself rather than supporting itself through humor. That, yeah, that, rather, and, rather than a moment where you could have genuinely enjoyed the human experience and allowed the audience to grow through that, you teach that sentimentality and honesty and earnestness are meant to be mocked with some witty fucking one-liner. And I hate Joss Whedon yeah. so much. Absolutely. Because he, he influenced an entire generation of writers. We're seeing it. We're just seeing the effects of like the first Avengers movie and Buffy the Vampire Slayer and all of his other projects that, you know, inspired these writers just spill out in all directions. It, it, it's really refreshing. And this is the second movie this year to do something like this. The first one being... Oddly enough, the Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves movie where moments of heartfelt emotion are allowed to play. There's a moment where Barbie sees an old lady on a bench. Oh, I keep thinking about this moment, dude. And and she seems to be having a rough time and Barbie just says, you're beautiful. And there's no joke here. The scene doesn't advance the plot in any way, shape, or form, but that moment is given the breath it needs around it to to live, to feel real, and it sticks in the mind. It, it is something so refreshing in filmmaking because it's not serving any other motive. It's not being undercut for humor. It's just existing in a moment on film in a movie where the punchline is, well, they're dolls. Yeah, it's. I I was just thinking about that moment, the moment from when she sits down at the bus stop and existence and humanity start to close in on her, and she sees people playing with their kids, and it it ultimately dissolves into her hearing this like deafening breeze that's rustling tree limbs, and the. the, the it it impresses on the audience like this is what it means to be human like it 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 feels it reeks of humanity and then she sees 
to, in to, totally wordlessly it communicates Barbie is starting to understand humanity and sees another person who might be like forgotten or if we even strip it of that just sees someone for being human and just says how beautiful you are for being human and that person gives back a little like witty rejoinder and they laugh and that's it man yeah what a what a breathtakingly brave moment to put in a movie and keep in you know yeah yeah it's it's good it's phenomenal Um, it's phenomenal I do want to amend a statement I made. I said there are no moments of heartfelt emotion undercut and undermined with jokes. I, I of course, I have to retract that because uh, it happens constantly to Will Ferrell and Ryan Gosling. Yes. It, it, on purpose. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, for, for a very good reason that happens. Exactly. Because, yeah. I, I think it's time now. We, we just got to get into the kin of it all. We have, we have to get in to the Ken of it all. I, I know that the movie is called Barbie, but there is a Ken element. A Kelement. A Kelement. Um, I was beside myself contemplating Ken in this movie. Because he's played sympathetically. He does some horrible shit. Yes. He does probably the worst thing a Ken can do in a Barbie movie, and he takes over Barbie land. He turns it, based on the real world, into a patriarchal society. He does maybe the worst thing a Ken can do, which is learns about the patriarchy, <laughs> and then goes, that seems pretty sweet, and then brings it back to a utopia. Yeah, uh, Brewski beer me, babe, for Brewski sure. Brewski beer, yeah. And uh, I was just beside myself because I was just like, what is this movie saying about men? Mm -hmm. And that's where I went wrong because the movie's not saying anything about men. It's saying everything about Ken and Ken's. Absolutely. I I was having a discussion with my wife about it. It's like the plight of a Ken is like, you got to think like he was created for Barbie. He has no existence outside of Barbie. Barbie was created and designed first, and he was created just to give her company. And that's when she chimed in like, yeah, like Eve to Adam, right? Mm. And I was like, what the fuck? Yep. I the the fast I I had a similar like thought transformation over time where I was trying to dissect the things the movie could be saying about men, and that is I think true to some extent, but I think to your point, the much more interesting read of Ken is Ken is if you took like a stereotypical portrayal of a woman in modern society and then like were to like give them total agency, but shift it where they got experience to a world where men ruled the world. Does that make sense? Like it's right. It's a totally one dimensional character who just wants validation. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, I, I like to think of him as like an empty vessel, not even like a, a ascribing a gender to him. He is just a vessel of wanting validation travels to a different world where there are different rules and sees people who look like him validated in their roles and purpose and then tries to go back home where he is just an empty vessel and bring that purpose with him 
mm-hmm. not understanding the ramifications or, or maybe understanding the ramifications. Maybe I'm too defensive of Ken. Um, but like, yeah, recreating that purpose at whatever cost, at what whatever damage that does to the his world. And, and for what it's worth, I don't want to make it seem like this movie doesn't make very good points about men. It totally does. And, yeah. and, and, and through Ken, like Ken does, especially post Kendom shitty stuff that men do all the time as influenced yes. by the real world. I don't think that Ken's behavior in aggregate is supposed to be like, this is how men act generally. But I think that the worst lessons he learns and the worst behaviors he exhibit are critiques on men in the real world. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't mean to whitewash what this movie says about Kent about men with my statements, but I, I just the movie is more interested in this kind of a pure soul being corrupted by the way our world has unfortunately be, been set up. It's like a kid imitating what he sees his dad do, you know? Yeah, like what if there... Ken is very much like a prism. Like if you project patriarchy into Ken, you get its silliest, most base, obvious faults. Because yeah. he, he is an empty vessel. And he likes horses. So And, and he likes horses. One thing that uh, I found a lot of people complaining about... Uh, is there's a throwaway, not a throwaway, uh, a line from the Helen Mirren narrator uh, near the end of the movie where they say that like, and the Kens kept working on being equal and they would eventually have as much power as women do in the real world. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. people people seemingly bristled at that because they're like, well, he's trying to be good and equal shouldn't he get the same treatment i'm like if you feel outraged by that that's the point that's the point the the movie is trying to stir within you the reaction of oh if someone tried to be good for as long as possible they'd only reach the level of power women do in society because that is exactly the paradigm we're in yeah exactly yeah yeah Uh, Uh, yeah if you're mad about dumb for thinking that's bad yeah, if you're mad at that statement, then uh, do something about it in the real world so that the statement is no longer applicable. Yeah, this is where the, um, I forget which uh, conservative rag said this, but they said the movie was deeply bizarre and anti-man. And it's I'm not... like, if you think the movie's anti-man, you are not paying attention. If this movie were truly anti-man, Ken would win. <laughs> Absolutely. The- because Ken goes through a moment of realization with his musical number and makes peace with the other Kens and because they kind of roll over and like accept that he was acting in bad faith because he was hurt and because he agrees to try to be better, that is the ending that men need out of this. <laughs> that yes, is the ending absolutely. that we that is the best deal we could hope to have. <laughs> Mm-hmm. accepting we were acting in bad faith we were misguided by a system that none of us set up but profited from and now we're giving a chance to have a redemption and learn that's way better than being just 
killed. <laughs> uh, agreed. I I love the Kens in this movie. I don't want to talk about the Kens too much. I do really yeah. appreciate that kind of the primary antagonist of the movie ends up being Ken slash the patriarchy, which is a thing that was not portrayed in the trailer at all to give the movie props. I said that saying what's going on is really essential when writing for the most part. Uh, this movie going back to our, our zeitgeisty point, uh, it pulls no punches. It says a literal, nothing is up for interpretation or inference in this movie. This movie is straight up radicalized when it comes to delivering its messaging. Oh yeah, absolutely. there's no room for subtlety in this in this topic, really. You know. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've been we've been giving people opportunities to be subtle about this for a long time, and it hasn't done shit. No, so I'm has, really glad a movie all. that a bunch of like young teenagers and yeah. adults will see explicitly says what's fucked up in a way that, in my opinion, is pretty fucking inarguable. Yeah. Um. I mean, the uh, American, uh, that's not her name. Her name is not American. <laughs> America, and I don't know her last name. America Ferreira? Thank who? you. Yeah, her. She's in the movie. Oh, I, I actually do not know who America Ferreira is. Uh, she plays Gloria in the movie, the mom oh, who works yes, at Mattel. America, yes, got it. And uh, her rant to unbrainwash the Barbies by just explaining what it's like to be a woman slash person alive today. You can't argue with, cause, cause it's her. She's just explaining her personal thoughts about being alive. That's not something you can argue with. It's opinion. Yeah. It's, it, it, and she just plain states it and it's used as, a plot device to unbrainwash the Barbies because it's like, well, it doesn't make sense. And that deprograms them. And this sequence lasts, I want to say five to seven minutes. It's, it's a very long sequence of just saying, once again, in my opinion, inarguable contradictions of living life as a woman in modern society. And I don't know if your theater did this, but straight up applause erupted in my theater after she finished. Um, Yes. Uh, the biggest laugh... I don't know why this was. The biggest laugh in my theater came when uh, one of the Barbies was was deprogrammed. And she says, Whoa, no. I, I feel like I was in a dream where I had an opinion about the Zack Schneider cut of Justice That's, that's very good. It's very good. Got, us, got our asses dead to rights. And uh, that... For that reason alone, I was like, we got to do a supplemental rating. This is a Schneiderverse movie. <laughs> Absolutely, is a Schneiderverse movie. One thing that's interesting is um, uh, Greta Gerwig in interviews was asked, like, I, I may be trying to, like, generate some kind of clickbaity headlines, is asked, like, what her opinion on, like, The Godfather and Matchbox 20 are. And she says unequivocally, like, no, everything in the movie, like, every song every movie that's referenced are things that i love and i can yeah like i can i can recognize their place in society but i don't make movies that have things i i don't love in them like i'm i'm not out here to make movies to exercise some grudge i have against the godfather 
Right. I'm just telling you things that are true about a thing that I love. Exactly. I mean, yeah, nothing she said. I don't know about the Matchbox 20 thing per se, but yeah, I mean, there's a that moment. There was another big laugh from one lady about <laughs> the line was in the Godfather seems like, oh, can you restart the movie and talk through most of yes, it? It's <laughs> very good. It's very good. It's very good. I want. It was like a woman. I want to say in her sixties. Just went really loudly. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 very good. Truth I, to power. Speaking truth to power about things that you like. Yeah, I, that's great. More power to Greta Gerwig. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 just such a perfect movie, and, and for something that is so radical. I'm really glad that it's reaching such a huge audience. I mean, an opening weekend of $155 million, the biggest opening for any female director in history. Yeah. Like, I, more movies need to stop being subtle and just say what's fucked up. That's what we need now. I mean, the greatest strength of this movie for a widespread audience is that it is unarguably funny. Yeah, it it is one of the funniest movies I've seen in memory. Yeah, like for all of its unapologetic plain stating of the problem, there it is just sandwiched and surrounded by a ton of humor and, and all flavors of humor. The the chase <laughs> the chase scene at Mattel with Will Ferrell and Margot Robbie, like I haven't seen slapstick like that in a really long time with them oh, yeah. running past each other. Just the way Will Ferrell runs, it's like he's doing a Tom Cruise impression. <laughs> yes, no, absolutely. Him like uh, crawling over the cubicle and saying, it'll be faster. It'll this be is faster. faster. This is faster. So funny. No, going over is fat. The fact that he says it so many times as he's struggling to vault is, yeah, I mean, it's, this is kind of going over the movies in my head. It might be like the comedy of the year so far. Oh, for sure. I, I think without a doubt. I actually have the, I expressed this to you and people can disagree. Uh, but are you familiar at all with the movie Pee Wee's Big Adventure? That is the one where his bike is stolen. Yes. Okay, I am tangentially familiar with the premise. Uh, His bike is stolen, but the movie is a non-self-serious, visually arresting, super quotable movie that has, like, stood the test of time. Large Marge, etc. lives large, couldn't find a better word, in the consciousness of people of a certain age, I truly think Barbie is the Pee-wee's big adventure of a generation. I think 20 so, years from now, people will be putting Barbie on for the kids being like, oh, I can't believe you haven't seen this. So I get the sentiment. I just, I'm not as familiar with the premise. Is the premise, Pee-wee lived in that house with all, all the furniture that talked to him. It's his big adventure that he, he enters into uh, the real world. Well, it's interesting because the Pee Wee TV show and the Pee Wee movie are very different. In the TV show, Furniture's talking to him. He has like a disembodied head. In the movie, he's just kind of an eccentric who lives in a house that makes breakfast for him with a big machine with music by Danny Elfman. 
but I, I think the point that I'm making is less of what's in the text and more that it was such a like uh, a hilarious visually arresting thing. Okay. I think, I think it existed like eminent in people's minds for like 30 years. That, so then, yeah, the similarities are in the, the effect and the stylization of the film not more so than the, than like a literal one-to-one in the premise. Yeah. Because the thing about Pee Wee's big adventure is when you watch it, it feels magical to watch a movie that would be willing to do that much crazy self-aware shit. Like, almost no movie feels like Pee-wee's Big Adventure, except Barbie. Barbie feels like Pee-wee's Big Adventure. It it feels like a movie that took risks that no movie since, and maybe no movie after, (laughs) takes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, playing at this fast and loose with the comedy and the, the very heavy, serious topics that it tackles... You did run the risk of like, well, it doesn't feel sincere because they're Tobetty jokes, but that doesn't happen at all. Like, I think every moment was played to the tune that it needed to be played. Yeah, it, it just it truly breaks my heart that some people are having. And I knew that this would be the case. I watched the movie. And I was like, wow, this is a truly radical uh, of the moment movie. I bet like 50% of the people who leave reviews for this fucking hated it. Yeah, I, I was, I, um, what I, what, I always make this mistake. When I see a movie I like, I'm like, well, what's the Rotten Tomatoes? And I saw I was sitting at 90. I'm like, just 90? Mm-hmm. And Jamie had to jump up and say like, well, I bet it's being review bombed by like, yeah, the, of course. you know, the usual suspects. And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. It's about women. <laughs> I forgot the shitheads. Yeah. What's fun is uh, I think the review that got shared the most is that conservative rag calling it uh, deeply bizarre and anti-man, whereas most of the people leaving negative reviews are deeply bizarre and anti-woman. Yeah, for, for sure. I just, I don't know how you... It's not anti-man. It's anti-like toxic masculinity. The, yeah, the bad, no, the bad apples. You know, the the well, they're not sending their best. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no argument here. It it is not at yeah. all anti-man. And in fact, I think it's it's uh, it, a pro-man message. Absolutely, I think this movie loves men, and I think it loves women. Yeah, it, it loves men enough to give them a second chance, which we don't deserve. <laughs> we don't. We absolutely don't. Ken does uh, though. Ken is Ken is Knuff for sure. Ken is Knuff. Uh, I want that I am Knuff sweatshirt more they than sold, anything. They're, they're selling it. I think it's on Mattel's website. Damn it! I'm gonna give money to this corporation. Yeah. Now, what, what's really funny to me? This has nothing to do with the film. Only that, uh, in so far as the film is a success, I, I am, I am, I'm going to laugh at the in- inevitability of the what happens after this movie. It's already begun to happen. Uh, Mattel has learned the wrong lesson. <laughs> oh, no. They've greenlit 40 other movies about their properties, minus Pogs for whatever reason. Including, oh, come on. Pogs would be the good one. Including an Uno movie, which... What the fuck? Um, so, yeah. Uh, hopefully, 
each of these movies have just the same approach with getting just some really talented writers, a, a phenomenally talented director with a vision, and they go with it. Um, however, I do have to point out that this Barbie movie has been in production since 2009. Uh, yeah. These... Multiple studios, multiple directors, multiple people attached. It wasn't until 2018 that Greta Gerwig came on board. This is absolutely learning the wrong lesson. These pigs will never learn. They were blessed with the goat. Pigs and goats. They were blessed with the goat. <laughs> Uh, deigning to make their Barbie movie. And they're like, oh, can we make a Garbage Pail Kids directed by DJ Khaled? Oh, God. Or whatever the fuck, Mattel. Can we can we get a Mighty Max movie directed by the guy who wrote that Blurred Lines song? Oh, Robin Thicke. It's, it's gonna be it's gonna be horseshit. It's gonna be Battleship. It's gonna yeah. be bad. Uh, I, I saw a headline earlier today that was like, oh, Killian Murphy has said, oh, yeah, I'd be in Barbie 2. And I'm like, no, there's, <laughs> please, no. there's not going to be a Barbie 2. There's just, there's just not going to be. Yeah, it's also Oppenheimer open for like half of Barbie. So I think Killian Murphy is just like trying to ride that shine a little bit. I get it. I get it. I mean, look, here's the thing. Everyone was saying, oh, the Barbie and Oppenheimer, you know, oh, they're going to battle. Which, what side are you going to choose? And then that quickly became like, oh, go see both. Yeah. It's like, no, I mean, sure. Barbie was always going to win. Yeah. Barbie was even always if, going to win. Even if the movie was bad, Barbie was going to win. Like this is a, a, a theater experience, a theater moment that seldom happens in that. Uh, women were excited to go to the theaters and it was a movie really made for women, which again, rarely happens. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, a, it was kind of, they, they were due. <laughs> they were, it was, this was an inevitability in my eyes. Women were owed a movie. Yeah. Uh, now, I can't believe we've gotten to the end of this podcast without even talking about Barbenheimer, but of course, the zero credit stance is aligned with reality. Oppenheimer lost. Christopher Nolan now has to direct the Pogs movie. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like he would have a good take. He would. It would show up in Fortnite, though, at some point. <laughs> yes, this is... Is he British? I feel like he's British. I think he's American. Oh, why did I think he was? He did. Dunk he's a, he's British American. Okay, yeah, this British American. Uh, I'm going to say in his mid fifties, early sixties guy who probably never even saw Pog in his life is uh -huh. going to direct the Pog movie. What is a slammer? <laughs> what is a slammer? I just collected uh, them to collect them. He could direct Thomas and Friends or American Girl. Oh, okay, this could be fun. Maybe. I don't know. Give Justin Lin the Hot Wheels movie, damn it. Oh, please. Please. And then, while you're at it, if you could give um, David Cronenberg the chatter phone and corn popper IPs. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and then David Lynch, David Lynch the Butterbeans Cafe property. And like a guy wakes up with a chatter phone embedded into his arm. <laughs> and then he has to shoot people with a chatter phone gun <laughs> yeah. embedded in his hand. 
Mm. Um, I'm just anything? excited to see Princess Mommy. Yeah, do you have a list of Mattel properties pulled up? I, I do, actually. Yeah. Is there anything in this movie that we, we didn't get a chance to talk about yet? Uh, I feel bad that we didn't cover uh, all of the kind of femaleness and we talked about Ken for a little while, but it's fine. We can only have so many perspectives as 30-year-old, roughly cisgendered, roughly straight men. Yeah, that that should have been a disclaimer up front. It was that, yeah, limited perspectives. We're going to bring... Uh, an unnecessary unaxed for male energy to the Barbie movie. Yes. Um, we, but yeah, much like Ken, we are bringing unasked for male energy to Barbie world, Barbie land. Uh, women supporting women, uh, doing the most devastating thing you can do. Get on your phone. Wow. Wow. So much to talk about. That's the perfect it, plan to be honest. There, there was a moment when, uh, Ken was singing that song to Barbie push. on the beach push. And then it, panned out and all the other cans <laughs> were doing it and the theater like vibrated with laughter yeah. people fucking lost it at that and it was so good do you want me to sing it again while i stare creepily directly <laughs> into your eyes it's so good guys if you've seen barbie see it again see it again yeah, I mean, there's just so much to cover. The, yeah, the 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 feminality, the, the the female energy of this movie is through the roof. It's off the charts. It, it's I don't know how to comment on it without saying like, yeah, absolutely. Like, not since Ocean's Eight have I seen <laughs> <laughs> this much women supporting women. Sure. Uh, in, incredible, by the way, final line of a movie. Oh, here's what we didn't talk about. We don't have time to. The fact that the movie delves into ideas of like essential human existence that almost no movie ever talks about. Incredible. The idea that you could pluck a consciousness out of the void and it would choose to be human. Why yeah. would you want to do that? And then you go to the gynecologist. Incredible. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, the, I, I spoke a little bit about it. An idea becoming mortal, something immaterial and more like the fact that Rhea Perlman is like, well, there's there's a really great moment toward the end of the film where Barbie's like, well, what's my ending? And Rhea Perlman, like the creator of Barbie, steps up and says, like, well, I never does. I never intended you to have an ending. You know, mm -hmm. like you're supposed to be eternal and carry on and be be like a, a a symbol for girls to look up to and i thought like well that would be a pretty good ending and then they fucking flip that and be like well i want to become human yep and just that the line is like do you do you understand like not this is not how it was phrased at all but it's like do you understand what that means mm -hmm. to be human and i really like barbie's answers like well instead of being an idea part of the imagined i want to do some of the imagining yeah and, and i can only assume having never been sort of a, a concept or a thought or an in an immortal being being part of the change after just your entire life being stagnant that is the only choice you can make after being awakened to the fact that 
change exists as a concept. Yeah, what's what's the uh, philosophical idea? Maybe it's Heidegger. I don't know. The idea that if you took a perfect, timeless being out of a void and asked it if it wanted to be human and you showed it everything that humanity entails, which is boundless suffering, constant uh, suffering, no... No being in a perfect world would say yes, but a lot of philosophers since then would be like, every being yeah. you ask that to would say yes. I mean, because, because no one wants to live in a in a perfect void forever. Exactly, and it just it kind of harkens back. Not explored in this movie as much, but the idea in Shintoism where stagnancy breeds complacency and corruption eventually play dark souls everyone <laughs> um but yeah now like a never changing existence in the face of a of an existence where you can make an impact cannot be the play yeah in a in an existence of pure happiness and joy you'd always take the suffering yeah every time and then just a shout out to my favorite moment. Uh, Barbie enters the boardroom. They offer her mineral water. She takes the cup, goes to drink, dumps water on her face, and just plainly says, I'm not used to there being anything in there. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> shout out to my favorite moment moments later where they make a strange Proust Barbie joke. Uh, which is for an audience of just me. Only I appreciated the Proust Barbie joke. I don't even remember it. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, real Proust heads chow down on those Madelines and, and get to me in the comments. Get after them. And I think with that, it only it comes time. The time that comes to all supplemental ratings. We have a little scale that we mm. have to put this movie on. It ranges from gotta have less of it to gotta have more of it with various stages Mm -hmm. in between. Seven different stages. That I remember all of them. And you guys are familiar. You don't need me to remind you. Yeah, you've listened to all of them. Um, So I think on this scale, I think I'll go first for a change. Uh, I think this is a, uh, you know, it's definitely on the like it, love it, gotta have more of it end of the spectrum for sure. I think this is a love it. You know, I, I think I, I absolutely appreciated this and adored it for what it was. I think if there was more of it, I think this is a rare case where you can't bottle lightning twice and, and not that sequels ever take away from the, the, uh, the initial entries that came before it. That's not technically possible, but I think, uh, I think this is a leave it alone. You, you've perfected it. Walk away. No, I'm I'm 100% in agreement. I think our scale is a little If there was something above love it, if this was just an indicator of how much we liked a movie, this movie to me would be a 10 out of 10. Yeah. However, with the way our scale is worded, I want Barbie to solely exist as Barbie. I'm sure that a Barbie 2 under It will happen. And I'm sure it'll happen, but I'm also sure that like if Greta Gerwig were to direct a Barbie 2 and Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach were to write a Barbie 2, it would be good. But I feel like you can't... I, I feel like it would s- 
seriously dilute the cultural importance of this movie to have a second one. So love it plus. Love it plus, of course, there are the half steps I failed to mention. Yes, I I Um, love it plus, and I can't imagine having more of it. Yeah, in fact, I will amend my my statement to also love it plus, I can't imagine having more of it as well. Uh, Highest honors to this movie. Uh, If you've somehow listened to this entire episode and have not seen it, you gotta go see it. You gotta. Yeah, and of course, by the way, when we talk about that, it is not a love it plus is actually better than gotta have more of it. Yeah, yeah, because there's there's an eighth step. Now, I can't even imagine seeing a movie and giving it gotta have more of it plus. If that happens, put me in the ground. I mean, did we do a, uh, I don't think we did. The whole Spider-Verse trilogy is that for me. Hey, we, we've never done one and we won't do one until the last one. And we'll do a retrospective. Um, sorry if there was any disturbance on the mic. Uh, my dog sprinted into the room as though she were scared by something and now is, is, is licking my hand incessantly. I oh, no. don't know what's happening, but love it. Plus can't imagine more of it. That is the final verdict of the Barbie movie here on zero credits. And, you know, see it again, see it for yourself. If you haven't seen it, render your own verdict, come up with your own opinion. You don't need us to tell you that, you should like or shouldn't like anything. You should like this movie, though. No, if, if you're a good person, you should like Barbie. If you're a bad person like Ben Shapiro, you don't like it. I don't even... I can't imagine talking about a, a movie for 43 minutes straight. Side eyes, the timer, <laughs> ticking oh, up. No. Oh, no. <laughs> By myself. Thank you, John, for being here on the show with me. There's nothing left to do but for you to tee up the social media plug. Oh, Henry, could you please give us the social media plugs for Barbie? I would love to, John. And in honor of the movie being very good, I will play this straight. Uh, If you've got opinions that you want to share about the Barbie movie and you've got no one else to share it to but us, or you just want to include us in your close circle of friends, here's how you can get in contact with us on us. Uh, we are on Elon Musk's rebranded X. Uh, you can find us at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com. <laughs> the website domain has not changed, uh, but please refer to it as X, as that is the name of the website. Uh, we're also on Threads. You can find us at Zero Credits Podcast on Threads. Uh, you can send us an email to zero credits as a podcast at gmail.com. At this point, it is just laughable how we've never fixed the domain for our, our email redirect. But that's not either, neither here nor there. Send us an email there. We'll reply to you within five to six business days once I've confirmed that both of us have read it. Uh, we're also on every major podcast scraping service you can think of now that Stitcher is dead. R.I.P. That's right. We're on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Amazon Podcast, Spotify, Podchaser, Good Pods, Podcast Addict. You name it, we're there. If you can leave a rating and a review on your podcast listening app of your choice, we would greatly appreciate it. And tell us about it so we can read your review on the air. 
But the most important thing you can do is tell somebody about our podcast. We seldom do these supplemental readings and people seem to enjoy them. So if you enjoyed Barbie and you enjoyed what we said about Barbie, tell somebody who hasn't seen Barbie to go watch Barbie and then also listen to our thoughts and feelings about about the movie. Uh, word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. And I would just like to remind everyone that, yes, Tanner the dog that you feed food to and then press on its tail and poop comes out was featured in the movie. But did you know that there was a soft version of Tanner that when you press on her belly, puppies come out? I actually did not know that. So thank you for sharing, John. I'm glad that wasn't in the movie. Save it for Barbie 2. And from everyone here at the Zero Credits Squeeze on the Dog, Puppies Come Out Studios, uh, we want to wish you a happy week. Shout outs to Sugar Daddy Ken and Magic Earring Ken. <laughs> Ma- read about Magic Earring Ken sometime. It's a, it's a fascinating story. Yeah. Right. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye.